This is the Classical Post podcast, exploring the intersection of classical music, style, and wellness. We dive into meaningful conversations with leading artists from an array of different backgrounds. Based in New York City, Classical Post is a touchpoint for tastemakers. I'm Jonathan Eifert. Let's get into it. German composer Sven Helbig is part of a new generation of composers for whom there are no longer any barriers between the classical world of the orchestra, experimental art, and pop music. He composes choral, orchestral, and chamber music for the classical concert stage and tours solo, performing electronic music. He is composing residence at the German National Theater in Weimar, at the University of Leipzig, and the National University San Martin in Buenos Aires. Sven is also a co-founder of the Dresden Symphony Orchestra, the first European orchestra devoted solely to the performance of contemporary music. I had the pleasure of speaking with Sven on the Classical Post podcast. Most notably, he details his childhood in the East German city of Eisenhutenstadt and how those formative years created a non-compartmentalized philosophy toward music. People in classical music often silo themselves off from the rest of the world, unfortunately. But Sven, having had this unique background in a pre-planned East German city, growing up in the 70s and 80s, saw music as one. Now, as he reflects on his career having recorded for Deutsche Grammophon, one of the top-shelf labels in classical music, and collaborating with the likes of Snoop Dogg, his philosophical approach is really fresh and exciting for anyone who's into art in the broadest sense of the word. Be sure to check out his new album, Skills, on the Modern Recordings label. The work is a dissection of what it really takes to acquire a skill, from dedication to repetition, despair to transfiguration. Tell us what it means for you to be a composer in the framework of no barriers between the classical music world, uh, of the orchestra, experimental art, and pop music. Oh, that means that you are sitting in between um, all all possible chairs. You know, it can be that the classical stages would not uh, be interested in performing you, and it could mean that the bands um, would not like to work with you because they think you would not understand their aesthetics and their music and their musical code in a way. So it is a bit of communication work to show where this comes from, why I'm interested in those music that I grew up with it and that I'm not building bridges or doing like crossover and trying to combine those words, words, but it is a natural grown garden where those things exist um, in the same place with the same potential. And I'm, yeah, I'm very happy with that. I always think it has to do with the small town where I'm from, where listening to a specific music was not a social code somehow, belonging to certain kind of society of the blues circle or the jazz guys or the classical music, because there was nothing like this, not the jazz club, not the blues club, and not an orchestra playing in any concert hall. So music was just free from any social meaning, social context. And so I could just see what is resonating with me. And since I was building my own radios and I could just listen to one station when I was 12 years old, I was just happy about everything that came through. And during the night, this East German um, station just um, played classical music. And I didn't, I haven't seen an orchestra before, so I did not even know how the sound is made. So, and so that was really the pure music. And so I could listen and see what I like. And now I, I think I understand those words. And, but this was your question. You have to communicate and it always takes a little while until until the people understand. Like when I had my first talk with a conductor at the Dresden Philharmonie, um, because they have they wanted to check me if I could be a possible intendant for their orchestra. Um, 
I came and he saw that I'm a jazz drummer and stuff. And then he told me uh, what I, he, he was talking about Brahms and he said, you know, Brahms wrote four symphonies. And then I said, thank you. I'm listening to the four symphonies of Brahms for the last 40 years already. So it's always, you know, because people are living with those in those, they are living in those shelves and it's, it takes a while until they understand the same when I work with a band like Rammstein, it took them a while until they, um, saw that I know what a guitar, electric guitar means and that I have a respect for their riffs and I would, wouldn't touch them and I, I'm looking for the space in between. So this is the only thing, but basically it's a great life. It's a really fascinating point that you made with the uh, town that you grew up in. And then that kind of was the impetus, if you will, for, for this kind of thinking. It sounded like you just said that. So, and is, this is a, a town in Germany, correct? Yes. It's in uh, which town? I'm curious. It's Eisenhüttenstadt. It's a plant city in the East built by the Russians in the fifties around a steel factory. So, but it's planned. So it means it's built from, from, uh, scratch, which also means there was no old, um, connotation. Can you say this? Mm -hmm. So, because there was no old building, there was no old stone, there was no old structure, nothing that would have recommend me, recommended me that there was a time before the fifties. So everything was just thinking forward. Everything was new. And nothing had um, a root somehow. It was not that I could have said, I love the 19th century because I saw this old building over there and I loved the way the door was built or, or the roof. So I could not relate to anything old. And mm. everything was built new. And all the people around me have been the same. My grandmother, uh, moved there, my grandparents, and she was the oldest. They have been the oldest people in town and they have been 40. So that is a very specific biotope, if you, if you want to say that. So, and I think, because I'm thinking about this a lot since I get this question sometimes, and I think it has something to do with it because I don't, I'm not. I don't know what people are talking about when they say, yeah, it is so different, the classical music and, and the bands. I just see the same fears, the same longings, the same hopes, and they make music out of it with, in different tones. I, I think it's, it's really um, fascinating. And, and it also taps into this idea of urban planning. Uh, I know there's, I, I mean, I'm not um, an urban studies person or, or planner by any means, but um, I've heard various things of how the various urban design and, and plan uh, or planned communities affect how you experience life or ex affect uh, maybe even the schools that you go to or, you know, the opportunities, et cetera. And so it's interesting um, from you in Germany, kind of having that experience, but also really in a very meaningful way um, manifests itself in your art of, of looking at art as one really, and not compartmentalize. I guess that's the foundation here that we're talking about is that you're really, you're not seeing or siloed. I should say, it's not like classical music's here and then rock is over here and jazz or whatever. It's kind of, you have this cross um, uh, genre, if you will, approach, which is really meaningful when so many people now are very compartmentalized. Eisenhüttenstadt was built um, with principles to make life easy for people. And that is very fascinating. Friends come and want me to show the city, even the Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe came, the Patch Up Boys, because they have been so interested in it to see the structure, because we have been talking about this for, for, for uh, such a long time. And then they took a train and came. Because they, I said, they built the houses in a way that every child that had to go to a school did not have to cross a street, for example. And of course, there was central heating, and the heating was just the heat that was the leftover from the steel factory and they even had a central washing where every Monday they came and 
took all the, 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 the stuff that you wanted to clean and then bring back the, the clean stuff and also principles, how the ways go, where's the east, where's the west, from where's the wind coming, blowing the dust from the factory outside the city and enough parking space. And where do we put a theater? Even there was no theater company, but we had a theater. And so, and the, the main street went from the, the door where the, the factory starts, the main entrance to the factory, straight line to the hospital, but oh in, a light, God. in a light curve so that it was not possible to see, but it was just like the main, yeah, the principle of life, you know, in between. Yeah. Uh, so, and, um, growing up in such a, an experiment, architectural experiment is, is very special. And when I talk to people from school, they all agree that we did not realize that when we have been young. But of course, now when we think back, why do we have a certain way of thinking? Why do we understand each other so well? Has to do with this situation of having no uh, sign, no quote from the past. And those principles that worked, we did not have the hustle of, of traffic lights and rush hours and parking space and all this. Everything was just walking distance or... There was a bus or it was just 10 minutes and everything simply worked in a city that you, if you have the chance to build a city from scratch and you know, we have this amount of people, you know, in this age, what do we need? So, and then you, you set it like on a Lego and yeah, there I grew up, Eisenhüttenstadt. It, that is quite a story. I, I, I find that very, very interesting. Where do you find inspiration to create music? And I'm thinking about something that is really outside of the music world. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, but let me explain something because also about inspiration, I get questions and I, I have my thoughts because I was thinking what is really inspiring me? Of course, I love to do long walks along the river here in uh, Dresden. I like to be in the forest. I like it to be quiet. I like to have a walk in the rain, sit by the sea, um, see art, see architecture, read. But is this the inspiration? When do I, what is my music made of? I, I think more of it like all the experiences go like to a huge barrel, like with the wine, you know? all the experiences being the grapes and you put them in that barrel and then you wait and the potential of the grapes will, will give a wine. And that's also not, you cannot manipulate it and saying, I need some, I need a wine now, or I need a sweet one if you d didn't have the sun. So it has a very, um, anarchic, uh, life in me somehow. I never know when is it coming and where is it from. I, I couldn't say that I inspire myself with something like with a great food or great wine or the beautiful things I, I like to have around me or it's all just particles of it, but it's not what I would use as an inspiration. When I, I was in Madeira in December at a festival. And I had a lot of spare time there and sitting on a mountain and there was a little fish restaurant and I, it was beautiful because the whole horizon was like one line, the, uh, the ocean and it was quiet. Nobody was there and I was eating and I had a Madeira wine and I thought I could start creating something, but that, but that wasn't, uh, possible. Nothing came. Then one day I go and just cross the street and to have some all day 
grocery to bring home or something. And then all of a sudden I hear a melody and I, I try to get my phone and sing it into it or yeah, it's, it's not that simple with the inspiration as people who are not artists might think it works. It's a more complicated process, at least for me. I would say even in Eisenhüttenstadt, even not having a forest and no sea and no river, um, I would be inspired by just life in the way it works. Having a mother, having a father, having the family, having, having um, seeing my, so the evidence of being alive that, that is growing and thinking of what does it mean? Am I here? Do I exist? And why? So all those thoughts, they are so much more powerful than watching the stars and getting inspired. I, 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 yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. The, the fermentation um, idea, that's interesting. Um, I really haven't thought of it that way before, or I, I haven't heard other people mention that. Um, do, uh, I don't know if you have anything else to say on that. I just wanted to comment that that stood out to me with what you just mentioned. Yeah. I, I like to see it like this because I don't have the time to do the inspiration exercises that, that you would uh, expect that would inspire me. I do this to relax, but in the most relaxed moments and in the most beauty, I don't hear anything. Somehow, this is more in the pressure, in the failures, you know, in the not um, solved things and in the disbalances. And somehow there, that, that creates the fermentation, as you said. That's a great word for it because this is what happens. And also, it's done by something else, by some organisms, you know like bacteria or something, they, they do something and you, you never know. You can add a little temperature or you can wait a little longer and you can leave the, the shelves a bit longer in. I don't know if you are into wine. Oh, I love very, wine. Yeah. yeah. I love very wine. much. So you can <laughs> add a little more tannin or add another grape maybe, or a little bit of sugar if it's allowed, like in France, the French wines. The chaptalization. But the basic process is totally uh, happening on its own. And it's very hard to manipulate. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I have things that I, that I like to see. And I, I refresh my brain with things that I try to get in front of. If this is something... But that's not, uh, these are more like the components, like the sugar, you know, and the temperature and the time. I, I know we're talking about inspiration, but if we pivot just slightly and the fields of study of art, you know, painting, sculpture, that sort of thing, and then design, any kind of design with graphics, interiors, product, um, architecture or fashion, kind of those buckets. Um, do you ever find yourself drawn to one of those um, that you derive some sort of um, inspiration or is it truly what we, you already mentioned where it's this fermentation idea and it's never the twain shall meet. I, I can't say much about the connection with my own creative process, but of course I feel a magnetism to certain things like in the fashion world. I was a fan in the early 2000s of Hedy Slimane when he was working for Dior Homme. And he was also a friend of the Pet Shop Boys. And when we worked together in London, everybody was about the new slim Dior jeans, you know, and the slim jackets and the slim suits. And I loved that. And everything looked so great. And then the libertines in those clothes on stage, not wearing it for a classical concert, but doing their punky rock. That was just fantastic. And it's such a pity that he doesn't work there anymore. Um, he's now, I think Saint Laurent and that's twice as expensive. 
So, but, but that was inspiring. And in the architecture world, I collect old furniture from the Biedermeier era and also the architecture from Karl Fried, from Schinkel. You know, I like to watch, I like the symmetries and how everything is in place and so reduced that it's still modern. The early Biedermeier from like 1810 to 1820. That's very, a very strict form without any decoration. It's just the pure material and the craft. That's wonderful. And I like old porcelain from Meissen. I have certain decors that I love and I go to flea markets and try to get more. And those things, the beauty of the old crafts and the old shapes, that's something. And in the modern painting, probably like most, it's in the meantime now in the art world, it's like what Bach is in the music. It's that everybody can, could agree on Gerhard Richter. But what I, what I love there and what was inspiring in a way was that it doesn't matter what you paint. It could be a cloud, you know? It's about something else. It's the way how you reflected a cloud or a, a cup or his daughter from behind in the this bathrobe. And it's the way you use the, your craft. And to get this more in, into the foreground, not telling anything and not being too abstract. The abstraction is in how you change what you, what you see. But this could be everything, like a spoon on a table. And, and also that you can change in your life, like Miles Davis did, like five times changing the style totally. And that's what Gerd Richter does now. He's at abstract painting, putting the, the color on the, on the surface and see what happens and then maybe brush it again. And then having a point where he says, now it's done, but yeah, is it, you don't know. That's the personal decision. And I like to see this process and somehow this is very helpful for my, for my things, because it's not always about how, what I do, it's more, how do I do it? And also it's very easy to just stop. There's not an end. It's interesting to just go and then see if it's, if you are at four minutes, you can just stop. <laughs> Something like that. So that's inspiring thoughts, of course. Describe a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life. I have a wonderful routine that I'm using already for, let me count, yeah, 30 years, 32 years. But I was lucky. After the war came down, with the, the schools, I was studying at the music school, music, but this until the whole system changed from the West, uh, yeah, the, the, the Western principles, it took some years. So in the first years, they kept going with the old concept of having a music school. So which means you had, you had to go to sports. <laughs> That's not, not usual anymore when you study music. Yeah. But we still had this. They kept the sports teacher. And as always, it's always one person that, that gives you, um, that makes a difference, that gives you an idea. And so it could have been a bad experience, but this, in this case, it was a very good experience because this guy was interested in yoga and also yoga was not exist, didn't exist in the East before the war came down because that was too much, um, spiritual and you know we should all have believed in communism and not in some some stuff so 
he was very keen to study this and he went to India and he studied with an Indian uh, Google and he came back and the first thing he did in sports, we did not have to play volleyball and do the, the jump and all the typical things. He said, okay, we have to do sports, but let's do something different. And he teached us basic yoga. And he said, if you are not, if you don't want to do yoga, because yoga is a wide field, just do those five basic things. The, what we now uh, know as the five Tibeta, Tibet, Tibet, Tibetan practices. And I kept going with them and they are so good. Now I survived the, the COVID infection in December. And I had to go back into shape and this helped totally. Yeah. And I do this as a basic routine every morning, sometimes in the afternoon. And yeah, I, I highly recommend this. If you breath right and if you do it right, that helps a lot to stay in shape. And it's also the only thing I do. I don't do any other sports. What energizes you in life to keep going, to keep creating, etc.? Yeah, some things. Some things are substances and some things are just, yeah, music that I like or things that I love. So let's start with the substances. I love green tea, the Gyokuru from Japan. It's a shadow tea. I highly recommend this. It's, first of all, it, the flavor is just wonderful. And it, it, when I'm tired, this always helps and you can drink a lot. It's not, it's not a problem there so that you couldn't sleep after drinking it. That's very important. And the exercises I mentioned, they are very uh, energizing. And then I, I have a thing, I don't know where this is coming from. It was always like this from my radio times that I mentioned when I was 12, when I hear a certain drum beat that has a certain tempo like around 100 bpm and the snare drum is hitting at the right place in the right sound this is something that i could i could go on forever with that i wouldn't need anything i, I could live with just bread and water this something it, it makes something with me so that's also the reason why all of a sudden overnight i started started playing drums and studied it and I lived as a drum, being a drummer, because the the drums, they have, yeah, there's, there's something in me that resonates very strong with it. <laughs> when I, for example, listen to Kestlov, the drummer of the Roots, if he's playing, yeah, then there's, it's like a, it's like a power plant in me that's, that's taking off. So there's, there's another source that I can use all of a sudden. It's really, oh, it's not with classical music. It's not with anything. Noth nothing gives me that. I hear this, this is a, a hundred BPM. And as I said, a certain el elasticity in, in the notes, something where I realize, wow, this is mine. And this brings me up. I always use this. I, I listened to like People Under the Stairs, which is old school hip hop from 2000, because that helps if I can't go anymore and it's all so stressful and insecure. Like those times now, I don't listen to a Bach piece or I don't listen to Brahms or Schumann, even though I love their music so much. But this, this really brings me back to life and makes me yeah. pointing hey. the, the pointing the head up there and the feet down there. And so I feel like everything is in its right place and I can keep going. What is one specific product you highly recommend? And I'm thinking it could be really anything, skincare, food, tech gadget, wine, spirit, you name it. Yeah, I know this is... If you live for a while, do you have, you have a few things. Yeah? So let's start with the wine. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite 
grape is the Pinot Noir, especially if it grew up in Burgundy, so the, in France, and I love this wine. And this is the flavor of it and the way it smells. I, yeah, this gives me everything. The, everything is in there. The truth, I would say. When I, when I'm looking forward for this wine to open it in the evening, that is just my thing. And I highly recommend if you are drinking wine or if you are into that, just never tried the Burgundy uh, Pinot Noir. Just give it a try. It's different from New Zealand or the the west coast of uh, your your um, LA wine. That that's all good, but this is different. It's in the soil. It's all that's a character, and and I love it a lot. This is one thing. But we are again with substances. So in devices, yeah, I'm very booze. So I love my Bose headphones all the time. And even now I'm still using the same. So many products are there. I'm still keeping them because the noise reduction, I think, is still the best. Working very good for me. They're light and they feel great on my ears. And yeah, I love them. And my father's always saying, but the Sony are so much better. Have you tried them? Yeah, no. I don't want to because I like to stick with stuff that I love. And so also because um, Neil Tennant gave me the first pair, he said, it's yours. So because when we worked in the studio and I forgot my headphones, he had those with me. And I said, oh, they feel so good. And then he said, yeah, it's yours. And so I had my first pair nice. in this time I mentioned in London. I, I, and also he from he is the... He, man, he said this sentence, I'm very Bose. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm very Bose as well. And so everything is Bose around me. I like that. I like that. Very nice. Just a quick moment to pause this interview to recommend a product I've been using for the past couple of years and really love. And that is CBD oil from the Colorado-based company, Ned. Their CBD has been really helpful to make me feel relaxed and get me in that de-stress zone, especially during the pandemic. It's a practice I want to keep doing daily, even as we all get back to normal. I use their daily blend oil and have a monthly subscription, so it's easy to be consistent. As a listener of the Classical Post podcast, you receive 15% off, either a subscription like me or just a one-time purchase. Use the code ClassicalPost at checkout by tapping the link in this podcast show notes or head to helloned.com. When you're in New York, is there a specific restaurant or bar that you just love to go to? And then at that place, what do you order? Oh, this is okay. So New York changed a lot. Unfortunately, my favorite bars are closed where I could say what I would eat. And, uh, so my New York time was different after. I was sitting first time at the Cafe Wa and seeing the, the Slam Clinic band playing on Thursday nights. This was called the Funk Night slash Open Mic after the break before midnight. And this still exists, is a great place. I highly recommend to go down there and try the buffalo chicken wings and having a Long Island iced tea with it. So. But that's very specific. It's not, I'm totally switching to that culture there. I'm not looking for a French restaurant in New York, even though that's possible. I know that. And I was waiting for the first Michelin uh, guide that, that came I, also in the 2000s. I bought it and I tried some restaurants. Ah, there's also, yeah, there's one place at Union Square. It's called Brazil. Is it Brazil Sushi or something? where they serve a mix of Japanese and Brazilian uh, food, which is, yeah. Oh, nice. I would, not have, I would not have tried this, but it was a sound, the sound engineer, Joel Iwataki, who mixed, for example, Alien. He is also a foodie, and we worked together 
a lot and he said please let's try this it's really good and it was but as i said i'm not looking for this experience in new york my new york is yeah the buffalo wings but now it's probably the vegan wings <laughs> and the long island iced tea and my favorite bar where i where you also get a great long island iced tea i and i highly recommend this place it's the uh, 55 bar on christopher street 55 it's a very old bar downstairs very small but they have live music every night mike stern is playing twice a week because he's living upstairs and he has a steady gig down there it's incredibly loud but it's so intense and great and nobody ever changed this place i very much hope it will exist forever because i know rents go up and you can't survive with a small jazz bar in manhattan but 55 bar i would say that's actually my favorite place there i would always i sometimes have even a nightmare and the nightmare is i'm in new york and on my way back to the airport to jfk i uh, it comes to my mind that i forgot to go there oh my god <laughs> that's so scary and i had this dream more than once and uh maybe this is just saying i should go back there but yeah i missed some years because of corona and before corona i was touring a lot but yeah 55 pound christopher street 55 and yeah the cafe war is a very traditional place where Jimi hendrix started janice joplin also a very small club and the yeah. and the tuesdays are great there not every day they have an average band um they're playing cover songs but tuesday always was the night where i was the only white guy in the room and that was that was great somehow because yeah people celebrating their birthday and doing the open mic everybody can go up and on stage and sing a song and was all r&b and soul and the band plays great <laughs> Tell us about your new album, Skills, which I'm told is a dissection of what it really takes to acquire a skill from dedication to repetition, despair to transfiguration. So how did you get this idea and, uh, and why did you create the album? I grew up in a family of craftsmen and in the living room of my parents, there were, was always this copper kettle. That was the masterpiece of my grandfather. He did that with his hammer and one piece of copper. And it was his, yeah, his, his final axiom to get the master in, in doing his craft. And that was there. And I always, as a child, I was holding it in my hands and I couldn't understand how somebody could do that. And when I grew up, I realized that I always had a fascination for people that tried to reach out for excellence, do just things as good as possible for its own sake. And not just in the craft, also in like being a skater. If you are a skater, you, you are practicing skills that nobody even can see because they are so fast and you cannot make money with it. It's just for the, yeah, for its own sake, for, for, for doing, for, doing it right and doing it great and developing it. And then I was reading, I like to read about the, ma the Japanese masters of um, the sword fight, you know, or calligraphers or everything where you had to follow a certain path to go to a master and get teached and how to do things as good as possible. And I, this always had a fascination on me. I was, also in music, I was never so much interested in like punk because that was something else. That was more like the DIY, I don't care thing, which is also great and inspiring in a way. But I was more into like, yeah, let's sit down and let's 
Let's learn it right, like John Coltrane practicing after the gig back in the hotel for six more hours or something. And that that was yeah, it has a fast, had a fascination for me, and I always wanted to to write a kind of a hymn for it, but I did not not know how with. I did not want to be too pathetic or too yet yeah, too bold with that. Just having like a bow for for it, and then I was in during the Corona time. I had a lot of time to read also about this and think about it. And I was just thinking, why did people do that or still do? There are always some people that that set the alarm one hour earlier, you know, and keep going for a little while longer because they want to do more, more than somebody asked for. Why is this and how did that change? And I came up with the idea that maybe it's in the unconscious, the idea of somehow touching eternal eternity, somehow eternal forms by if it, because it's, yeah, this is the dilemma of life that we are, we, we have an end, you know, but we are living in an endless world. And is there something, can I prove that I belong somehow to this eternity by creating something perfect? Something like this might be behind. And yeah, I was thinking, and then all of a sudden this, this idea came that I would build a vanitas like I did for the cover artwork and make a photograph and then I was sketching the path. You know, how, how is this? Where's this path starting and how does it go? Having, and I created, I found all the steps that I myself went through when I was um, learning the drums, when I had the right cymbal on my right uh, seat in my car, practicing cymbal technique while listening to John Coltrane and driving. Like crazy to come as good as possible without having even a jazz band or or an XM or something. It was just for the sake of doing this as great as possible, just for myself. And so I found this path from induction where you have the first interest in something that you can't explain. It's something in the air. And then the dedication and immersion when you dive in over like despair when you are, am I good enough? Is, can I make a living? And so why am I doing this? And, and then repetition, which, which is a crucial, um, step because you have to repeat, but not every, not every repetition makes you better and you have to survive this and accept it. And then you go on and then the flow where everything is easy and lightweight and then you reach, eventually you reach the transfiguration where you have the divine form, something that's, that's beyond everything um, that you could have thought of. And yeah, and then the, I was sketching this and then I, I started writing the music. So this, yeah, it, it was a natural process and then all of a sudden this album was there and I called it skills. I was in between many words for it. Maybe craft would have been something, but a skills that had a bit little bit more of a play of a game and also it's a bit connected as were well, to the streets because I also have a hip hop background and a skate background and skills are a bit connected to this world. It's not such a beautiful intellectual world. It's more, yeah, from from this side. And yeah, then there was the album. That you know. Can you tell me a little bit about creating the videos? Yeah, the first video vision that was that was is a funny story because I was sitting at the table at home, and I sometimes I supplement with vitamin B12 because I don't eat much meat, even though I was talking, recommending the buffalo wings. But it's, it's not often that I eat meat. And so, and also my doctor recommended 
to supplement. I was putting drops of B12 in water and I saw those red color unfolding in the water. And I thought, and then my own melody came to my mind and I tried the drops going with the melody. And I thought, oh, that would be beautiful. I will try this. And I went to the bathroom and to the, the bathtub and filled it with water and took my, my phone and filmed playing along, dropping along the melody. And then I looked at it and said, and thought, oh, that's, that looks so good. And then I tried, oh, what when I turn it? And then I turned it and it was unfolding to the air like a tree. And then it was even more a picture for vision. And I loved this so much. And it was done in a few minutes with no money and I was done. Wow, <laughs> so, that's impressive. No, it's amazing. That's really amaz amazing. Yeah, I and this is vision. And then <clears throat> the, the second thing was repetition. I, I said that this, yeah, the skills changed. Something that was very important to humans or to somebody could get lost in evolution because we don't need this anymore. Like copper kettles, handmade, but we need new things. And I think programming algorithms is something like that. I think it's a really, it's a real skill. It's, and you have extremely experienced people there and they also tell it has a certain beauty even. And I was looking for an artist who can program algorithms and do art with it. And I found somebody in Gdansk, in Poland. And he created this algorithm that is a deep learning algorithm who's learning drawing a rose. And we had to render this dozens of times because it was always different what the algorithm does. And then we have one final result that we liked and this is the video. So it's a new skill. And the, the third one, law, I did by myself because tradition, law, the old uh, tales we are telling, that's always a source tradition for creative processes. And I wanted to have this dreamlike surreal daydream that unfolds while I was driving a car and on the mirror there is this little knitted angel, a Christmas decoration spinning. And this is how this video starts. And that was the traditional video. And the new one is from yesterday where the, the reishi mushroom is eating the violin and becoming a tea that I'm drinking at the end. Yeah, because it's also in skills, because we are talking about high developed structures, sophisticated things. And with all the sophistication in high developed uh, societies or cultures, high culture, the classical music, it can be that you have the effect of a kind of hubris that you feel untouchable and so complex and highly developed that nobody could ever um, ever, um, oops, could ever, how to say, stop you and make you disappear because you are losing relevance. But this always happened. It happened to Babylon, to Rome, to, it happens in all day life. When we feel untouchable, it's a sign of the, yeah, the fall will, might be coming soon. And so I, I took the icon of the classical tradition, Western classical tradition, and let it um, be eaten by a less developed organism, the reishi mushroom. And the reishi mushroom gives, has a lot of health benefits when you drink it or eat it. And it, I'm, I'm playing with this idea of maybe those benefits are much stronger for somebody than listening to classical music. So if it's losing relevance and nobody, nobody talks about it anymore, knows who was Robert Schumann in like 50 years already, because the old people are dying and the younger ones are not interested. It's at least a problem here in, in Germany and Europe that the orchestras have problems to refresh and play 
music that is relevant. And so this is the new one. It came out yesterday. It's a huge explosion at the end because there's tension with the mushroom and then you see my hand taking the, the tea, having it. Where can people listen to the album? It's on all streaming platforms, everywhere you stream your music. Of course, you can buy the physical products still. Vinyls are coming back all of a sudden. But it's very hard to find a factory at the moment because Adele bought everything that was available. And so, yeah, I'm very happy if you buy, if you go for a physical product, but I totally understand if uh, streaming is your choice. I do this by myself and I find it very handy and I discover so much great music. I'm using it every day. So yeah, but it's everywhere and the videos are on YouTube course and please check it out excellent and one final question uh i want to talk about success just briefly do you to end the podcast do you have any comments on what success means to you that's a very complicated question because you have to set this of course and if you set your success line too high then you will be very unhappy and it so, but too low, it might slow you down. So it's, is it, is it about numbers success? The older I become, it's, I think success is when you have the freedom to, to have free days in a week, free time, and you are just doing I, me, myself, I'm, I, if I can, I, I know not many people have those chance. I don't want to say anything against if you have a job and you do something. That's very important for me to say that because I know we, we, we need the people that take care of our trash and everything that that's surrounding us. So, but for me as an artist, it, it's kind of a success when I don't have to do commercials, I don't have to teach, I don't have to do things that distract me from doing my music. And if I have three days where I can just sit and nobody is ringing my phone and that's my biggest success, that I could quit teaching, I, did, I don't have to do commercials, I don't have to do movies that I don't like, I can't say no because with my own releases and concerts, I can make my living and I reduce everything that I need. So I keep my rent slow and everything <coughs> so that I, I have this wonderful privilege and this privilege, and this is, I would call this a, a success that I made this. Thanks for listening to the Classical Post podcast. Explore more insightful content on our website at classicalpost.com, where we share original perspectives, listening guides to new recordings, and conversations with the leading artists. Stay abreast of classical music, style, and wellness by signing up for our monthly briefing, delivered directly to your inbox. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Eifert. Thanks for listening.